Christ's name, amen. Let me just mention, and again, thoughts that as I was reading and I was almost tempted to stop and comment again, but the memory passage, and it's not unique, and we may look at a few more things if we have time, but just the connection between loving God's law and the battle, the evil, the things that are going on, the things that are mentioned even in our memory passage that we hate, all right? And what comes up over and over in Scripture is what we hate is what keeps us or would interfere with our relationship with God or would cause us to sin, influence, whatever it may be. And you see that in our memory patches. A lot of influence here, at least suggested influence. I don't do this because if I did it, I might sin. I would sin. So take note of that as we consider because we're going to pick up with love again. And it's not loving God's word that's important, but our love as we're considering it is love to God and love to fellow man, right? And this is all part of our chapter on the church. Quick review, 25.1, the invisible church. 25.2, the visible church. 25.3, the paragraph numbers I'm, I'm re uh, referring to. 25.3, the functioning church. 25.4, the fluctuating church. That's where we are. And we've mentioned three things in particular, at least I have. Uh, it's not the only things. But three things that, and, and again, 25.4, the, the, the uh, fluctuating church is the church being more or less visible and more or less pure. So we were considering, what is it that makes the church more or less visible and more or less pure? And three things that we've noted in particular, one was prayer, right, prayer. Prayer being, as I've defined it, our conscious talking to God, right? Our heart engaged, not just mouthing words and not just even mental heart. Talking to God about what's going on in our life. What, what, we, what we want God to do for us or to do for others. Salvation of lost ones. Blessings. We pray for the work in Maine that God will bring in and build up that church for all our churches. Right? And I would encourage you to be specific um, in your praying as well in that regard. Um, but praying, engaging, our going to God, it, as it were, inviting God into our life to deal with things, to help us with things, right? The more or less praying is going on, the more or less visible, because we need the work of the Holy Spirit, prayer particularly. 
important in the engaging of the Holy Spirit in our church life. Everything that is done in this church, our worship, our singing, our praying, teaching, outreach, whatever it is, critical that we have the Holy Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit, critical that we pray. Right? So prayer. Second one was God's word. God's word. Consciously, then listening, if I can put it that way, to what God has to say to you and to me. In essence, finding out God's response sometimes to our prayer. Lord, help me to know what to do. Well, where's the best place to go to start with, certainly? God's Word. Right? So the more or less that we use God's Word, the more or less visible, the more or less pure, especially purity. We get away from God's Word. We start then doing what? If we're not going to God's Word to give us the direction then kind of going our own way, aren't we? Doing what we think's best. Now, it's not that that will be always contrary to God's word. We'd like to think that God's word has an impact and an influence, and we know some of it anyway, that it would help us. But just look at church history. Just look at church history. Godly men and women. Totally gone astray. The church, the history of the church is replete. The history of God's people. Look at the Old Testament. Over and over and over. A drifting. An embracing the wrong doctrine. Serving the wrong God. It's there. So to the extent we don't use God's word and follow it to the T. Dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Not being legalistic. Understanding that what God has told us is critical. And we don't want to miss any part of it. Right, God's word. The third thing is what we've been talking about, what we were talking about last week. We're going to pick up with again this week. And that is charity. Love. Love, we are told, in God's word, is the greatest fruit of the spirit. It's the greatest fruit of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit, as we are led by the Spirit and doing the work of the kingdom with the help of the Spirit, there are a lot of things there, a lot of good things, obviously. Producing good fruit is what we want to be doing. All right? Christ says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You don't abide in me, you're not going to bring forth fruit. Well, we want to be bringing forth fruit. 
and the greatest fruit that you or I will ever bear is this fruit of charity, of love, right? We saw in 1 Corinthians 13 what that, what that charity does, right? I'm not going to read back through, but we saw what it does. You know, long-suffering, patient, and so forth. Romans 13, we saw the relation to charity in the law, particularly commandments 5 through 10. All right, that passage references maybe all of them, didn't count them, but certainly most of them. So we see the relation between this love and the law. In essence, if you don't know the law, you aren't going to be able to love. Because if you don't know what it is you are to do, what that love requires of you, it's not natural. That Christian love is not something we're born with. So if we're going to know what God-like love looks like, we need to see what God has said it looks like and what it does. So we see the relation in Romans 13 of the moral of the law of the uh, love to the moral law. Matthew 5, which is where we wound up last week, Matthew 5:43 through 48. And that's where we love our enemies, all right? And for right now, I just want to say there we see the expanse, the breadth of Christian love, right? It's not limited. It's easy, certainly easier, to love somebody that loves you. It's much easier to love someone who is kind to you and good to you, right? Says nice things about you, helps you out when you need help. Yeah, it's easy to love there, isn't it? But God says, no, no, no. This, this love is much broader, much broader. And obviously, as we've seen, the greatest example of that is God, God loving us when we were his enemy. As a sinner, you are part of the family of Satan, whose end it is to bring to naught the kingdom of God. You were part of that. I was part of that. Right? When we talk about God loving us when we were his enemies, now I'm not saying in your head this is what you were thinking, but I'm saying you were part of that family of Satan. Ye are your father, the devil. And the whole goal is to bring to naught. To in any way possible thwart the work of God. Hurt, hurt Christians, take away their joy, destroy churches, 
And you see it, don't you? All right. That's when we're loving our enemies. Giving you a picture. All right. Now, what I want to do, and, and I'm going to talk about that a little more at the end, I hope. So, uh, and, and Jack's question last week and maybe others as well. I want to touch on it, um, but I want, I want to keep going with, as it were, what we need to be doing, this aspect of love for a little bit more and finish that up and then come back to, uh, to this matter of enemies. Now, if you'll turn to 1 John, I think I mentioned last week, I wanted to go through 1 John. Well, Peter, John, great books. All right, 1 John. And I just want to kind of work our way through 1 John because it has a lot to say about love. All right, a lot to say about love. Now, I want to take note, 1 John verse 3, one, chapter 1, verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. So now what he's going to be saying about love, keep this in mind as we go through this. What he has to say about love in here is tied up with this. I'm telling you this that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So this matter of love is critical to have fellowship. Fellowship with the brethren, fellowship with man, in whatever capacity that looks like, and fellowship with God. Right? So he's, he's telling us why he's, why he's going to tell us what we're going to be looking at. And it's not all that First John says, but it's a lot of it. And then verse 4. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. That you might be a joyful people. A people full of joy. You're not going to be able, you are not going to be able to have joy if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, particularly love. And John's going to tell us about love so that we can have joy. Right? So, have problems being joyful? Well, so we go through this, and then as the Lord leads you, consider what's here. All right, take a look at chapter 2, verse 5, uh, 5 and 6. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. All right? Perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. We ought to walk even as Christ walked. We see that love is perfected by obeying God's word. Love is perfected by obeying God's word. 
So we've got to know what God's word says, don't we? Critical. Critical. And what does God's word say? Well, we've considered some of it already. Right? Perfected by obeying God's word. Christian love. Just say this. We talk about, obviously, justification. That which happens when we're saved. That's an act of God. Right? On our behalf. Then we talk about sanctification. The work. It's a work. The greatest evidence in your life and mine of the sanctifying work of the Spirit using the Word is how we love. Right? How we love. And I would suggest to you that it's also one of the greatest sources of assurance of salvation. You can't love the way God talks about, the way God's word talks about. You can't love the way God expects you and requires you to love, the way you, you want to love as a believer you can't do it if you aren't saved. So if you can do it, if you are doing it, you've got to be saved. When you can love, and remember, we talked about love impacts your relationship with God and man. But it first has to impact your heart. All right, there's got to be this work, this preparation in your own heart done by you, done, done by the Spirit of God in you through the Word, understanding it, so that you, you can love. So what you do is a proper reflection of God's love so that we walk even as he walked. We live our life the way Christ lived his. We can forgive the way God forgives, the way Christ forgives. Pretty tall task. Impossible to accomplish without the help of the Spirit. You want to be full of God's love? You better be praying for the work of the Holy Spirit in your life every day and all day long. Because it's just not natural. It's a gift of God. It's a gift purchased by Christ on Calvary. It's a benefit of Christ's atoning work. A gift to you. And to me, so that now we can love as God loves. Chapter 2, verse 9. 9 through 11. 
He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. Let me mention this. Uh, it may help. In the New Testament, this word hate, uh, according to Strong's, as I understand it, no Greek scholar, but it's 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 the idea of detesting. You know, hate is a pretty strong word in our, it, it, at least in my mind when I hear it. But this is a, it's it's loving less. Now, how to what degree? may depend, all right? So it's not that you want to kill somebody. Sometimes we equate hate with this idea of murder. And that's, we're not there. Not that it couldn't be particularly in there, but that generally, I don't think is the, the idea here. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is not occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Okay? Talking about love, we're talking about the fact that if there's no love, there's going to be a corresponding blindness, right? Can't see. You can't see because if there's not love, right? There's not love. Something's going on in your head and your heart that's not spirit-led. But it, it tends to obviously impact how you see somebody. And that's what these verses are telling us. How you respond or react is how love is helping you see them and deal with them. If you don't have the love, you're not going to see them right. You'll be blind. Jack. What is the brother here? Is that your spiritual brother in Christ? Or is it in person? I'd have to look. Uh, it certainly would. It definitely is going to include your brother in Christ. Yes. All right. It, it definitely is going to include that. I, but I think it's a broader. Uh, a lot of times in, in the... With the Jews, your brother, your neighbor, was another Jew, right? A lot of the in Scripture. Um, Old Testament, your enemy was anybody that wasn't a Jew. And to some degree, that carries over into the New Testament, I think. But uh, here, I think, certainly, certainly a brother or sister in Christ, if that's the truth. But I think it's broader. I think it's broader. Because I think... Generally, scripture in its general context. Love, and again, a godlike love. Didn't God didn't love us because we were good people, right? So I think certainly I don't think you go wrong in expanding it, but I can't say that that's exactly what the word here. I'd have to look it look it up and see. Good question. If it did include all men, you 
Well, again, you're, let, let, me, let, me, let me hang on to that until, I, if I can, I want to get to this idea of what we do in hate. Well, let me just mention, you're, uh, hang on one second, Bob. In Scripture, first and foremost, I would say, anything you find that God hates, you can hate. Right? If Scripture says God hates this, you're safe in hating it. Right? Number one. Number two, most of the time you wind up with there being this word hate. It has to do with evil. Right? It doesn't have to do with the person. It has to do with what the person is doing or saying. Right? And we'll see that, if I get to it, with some of the scripture. So, do you hate Putin as a man? Why would you hate him as a man? Do you hate him for murdering people? You hate his murdering people. And the way we express that quite frequently is, I hate the man. But really, what we're saying is, I hate what he does. I hate what he's doing. I hate the evil that is coming from his hand and from his head and from his heart. Right? Daisy? Yeah, I mean, in Daisy's point, those who crucified Christ, those who killed Christ, put him on the cross. He's praying for them. Father, they don't, they don't know what they're doing. Did they know what they were doing? Did they know they were putting him on a cross and killing him? Sure they did. Did they understand? No. Because the evil heart... Did it bother them? Some. I think we have evidence in Scripture that even then, the Lord, the Father, was answering. I think we see it with the salvation of the thief on the cross beside him. I think we see it in some of the statements. Surely, surely this was a just man. So I think we may see some evidence here. Bob. Doesn't the parable of the uh, good Samaritan uh, point some uh, checks for the Jews? Well, yeah. The good Samaritan wouldn't involve the, the actions. If that guy laying on the side of the road had been out killing Samaritans or Jews, and and he knew it. Would he still have ministered to him if you knew it? I shared. I don't think I. I think this was last Sunday. Yeah, on my way home Sunday night, uh, 
Some of you may hear uh, the program Unshackled. It comes on 10.30, 11 o'clock, something like that, on, on um, BBN 91.1. But it was, a, it was the second part of a story about a mother whose son had married and, and a stepfather. Son had married. Son, apparently, first part, I think, would have been something of the context, the history. But son had married this young lady, and under the influence of drugs and alcohol, she killed him. She killed him. When she was in her right mind, she said, I did a terrible thing. Standing before the judge, judge, I'm guilty. I took the life of someone who was a good person generally in, their, in her eyes, right? And to cut the long story short, I suppose you could get the, uh, the, the, the recording of it if you checked with BBN. She went to prison. Uh, the couple, right after this happened, uh, went on a church retreat, I think, and just kind of, the, the folks kind of left them to themselves just to grieve and deal with their situation. And they were sitting in the lodge, apparently it was wintertime, they were sitting in the lodge, fire going, and the, the, the husband, the stepfather of the son was sitting and he was writing some stuff. And she said, what are you writing? He said, I'm writing people we need to forgive. She said, can I see your list? He said, sure. She looked at the list and why are, why are we on here? He said, because we need to make sure that we ask for forgiveness if we're blaming God, even in our heart, for what's happened. Looks at it. Well, why is God's name on here? Why do we need to forgive him? And again, much the same. In the event we might have any thought that he could have done something differently and should have. And another name on the list was the young lady. They killed their son, or stepson. And um, so she said, so what are we going to do with this list? He said, we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to help us forgive. And we're going to throw this list into the fire, and it's going to be done. Now, it wasn't that they were just going to forget everything, but they were preparing their heart to show the love that we've talked about. Not long after that, the father wrote a letter to this girl. And she was in prison. He wrote a letter. She got the letter. She didn't have any family to speak of. 
certainly no one that cared. She got this letter, and um, according to the recording, you know, she starts reading, and she said, who is this jerk anyway telling me, writing me about this? And the letter concludes that I forgive you. All right? And the mother, a little harder time, they were waiting to see if they got a response. A few weeks later, they got a response. And the young lady was very remorseful for what she had done. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. A little later, the mother wrote a letter. And the, the and of course, on Unshackle, eventually this young lady came to accept Christ. Wound up carrying on a ministry in the, in the prison. Okay. Wound up, as it were, effectively becoming their daughter. Right? So I, I couldn't help, but in light of the question that Jack had raised last week, who, how do we forgive? Who do we forgive? And here I hear this program at the end of the day on Sunday about a woman forgiving the lady that murdered her son. Now, God is sovereign. But their forgiveness, their act of love was used of God to bring this young woman to a saving knowledge of himself. Had she done something probably to that mother particularly as heinous as what Putin or whoever, any of the dictators, murderers, that, and there's plenty of them. Certainly the hurt Maybe the hurt was greater because it was personal. Certainly, I think it might have been harder to get past. Now, it's not harder than those whose sons and daughters are dying over there daily and have died in the result of all this mess. But that's the battle that's going on. That's the battle that's going on. That's the destruction that Satan has intended for God's creation, particularly the souls of man. All right? This blinding effect. verses 15 and 16 of chapter 2. Important. Love not the world. Right? That's a directive to you and me. That's a directive to you and me. What's implied in that? Somebody talk to me. What? What's... Why, do, why did God tell us that? There are things in the world that are attractive to us. Sure. We tend to love things in the world, don't we? Right? Otherwise, why say it? Love not the world, 
neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, again, the world, we, we understand the, the, the carnality that's there. For all that is in the world, and here's the definition, as it were, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Right? And then it goes on about that. Now, my point here is our loving, there's a choice. All right? Who and what you love, you choose. Part of the free will God has given you. There's a competition going on for that love. We just talked about it. There's a battle going on for that love. Right? A battle. A competition. Satan wants you to love these things. The lust of the flesh. The, the pride of life. It's there. Lust of the eyes. It's there. What do we love? Our memory passage, this is where I was talking about. I, I love thy law. Why? Because it's what keeps me from the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. It's what strengthens me and helps me in that battle. Why? Because I know that Christ has conquered those things on my behalf. I know that I have liberty in Christ. I know I have power with the help of the Holy Spirit to overcome. Right? But there's a choice. That battle. We don't always get it right, do we? I don't. Don't always get it right. But we've got to be aware. There's a choice. Jack, did you have something? Yeah. Uh, this just popped out at me. It answers the question. Between what you're saying and my commentary on John Gill on this verse, it answers the question. If you give me three or four minutes, I can read it. Sure, sure. Good and loud. loved by saints as it were as it was their habitation where they are always to be and so loath to remove from it seeing they are but sojourners and pilgrims and strangers here this is not their rest nor dwelling place their continuing city or proper country that is heaven nor should they love the men of the world who are as they came into it are of it and mind the things of it, and lie in wickedness, and are wicked men. For though these are to be loved as men, as fellow creatures, and their good, both spiritual and temporal, is to be sought, and good is to be done to them, as much as lies in our power, both with respect to soul and body, 
and here's the key for me, yet their company is not to be chosen and preferred to the saints, but to be shunned and avoided as disagreeable and dangerous. Their evil conversation and wicked communications are not to be loved, but abhorred, and their works of darkness are to be reproved, nor are their ways to be imitated and their customs followed, or their manners to be conformed into. And I won't, I won't go on, but that kind of, it grabbed me. Kind of just what we were talking about. Huh? It's exactly what you were talking yeah. about. You love the person. You love Vladimir And our memory passage hits on that a lot. Yeah. You know, I, I don't do this because I, I understand the influence. Why? Why did God basically forbid the Israelites to join themselves, marriage, even why do you, why do you have them kill these other peoples and nations? What was... In scripture, what's the biggest thing that resulted when they didn't? Influence. Influence. And the influence led the children of Israel to do what? Yeah, led, led them into idolatry, didn't it? Over and over and over. It never seemed to work the other way. Now, I'm sure there were people who, as they became Jews, I mean, we, we've got Rahab the harlot, we've got... Uh, the, the uh, Ruth, the Moabitess, okay? We, we've got exceptions. But in general, it's the influence. The influence to the point, they're, they're burning, they're killing their babies and burning them, offering them as sacrifices to the God of the people. Solomon, in his latter days, his heart was influenced by his wives. And he apostatized. All right. All right. We'll we'll pick up again. It's, it's good, but my time's gone, so we'll we'll keep going through John here. But I hope we we're seeing. I hope we're seeing. I maybe it, maybe the Lord's just talking to me more than anything. But I hope we're seeing just how important this matter of love is, and what it is. You know, we we can talk about it. But I hope, I hope that we come to understand and have it impact our heart so that we can put it into practice and make it work for the glory of God and the good of God's people. Jack, you have something. So for me, if I could sum it up in, in one sentence, for me, you've got somebody over here that hates God son of Belial, has nothing, wants nothing to do with God, is unrepentant. And, you know, when we're supposed to love that person, we can love him from a distance. We can stay away from him. We can have want nothing to do with him. And where my problem was, was that if you've got some outsider looking at that relationship and asking the question, 
Well, if you want nothing to do with that person, what kind of love is that? What kind of love with that is that? I've always equated love with wanting to be with that person, fellowship with that person, and breaking bread with that person. But that's not the case. You can love him by praying for him. You don't have to be there with him. Yeah, love. That's why I'm, love is much more expansive. So, Tim, you got a comment? If you do, make it fast, because I'm over time. You're on Paul's time, not mine. Would you give him the gospel? Absolutely. Okay. I think that answers our question. If you would give him the gospel, what greater thing could you do for them? Sure. Sure. What we do. Scripture, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You look at scripture, it's full. What we do has an impact, and people see it. Mm-hmm. How it works itself out, and people see it. Early church, how they loved one another, it's what they saw. It's what they saw. Beth? Sure. Understanding we were part of the enemy, the force, the enemy force, Satan's kingdom. Understanding that we were part of the same thing they're part of certainly helps you say, whoa, except for the grace of God, I'm right there. Yeah. All right. Let's close in prayer. Father, we're grateful to you for your love to us. Lord, we can't comprehend it. We have a hard time appreciating it. But, Father, we do love you because you first loved us. And we pray that your love might increase in our hearts, that we might be able to love those about us and to love you, Lord, at least in some small measure of the great and wonderful love you've shown to us in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Bless us now, we pray, as we go from here. We ask that you administer to our hearts. Continue with us in this day, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.